On this Pentecost Sunday, we've heard the story, and now we turn to words from Isaiah, which show a piece of God's intention for this day. Before I read the scripture, I just want to remind us that many scholars see Isaiah broken up into three different sections. Isaiah 1 through 39 that we actually are in the middle of currently. Remember for holidays this year, we're moving around to various places in Isaiah to the words that speak to us for the moment. But it is in the first section, as we have seen, that God makes it clear that Israel has failed to live up to their covenant in him. They have failed to live in righteousness before Yahweh. And he makes the case, the legal case, actually for exile. Now chapters 40 through 55 is where the people understand that righteousness comes through the suffering servant, the servant that the Lord will send because the people are unable to achieve righteousness on their own. But it is in chapters 56 through 66 where these two ideas are brought together. Humans are indeed meant to live in righteousness before the Lord, yet we do so only by the grace of the servant, by Jesus' grace. So the words that we read today are the beginning of the third section, where we see the synthesis of the other two sections, a marvelous conclusion which fits with the entire revelation of God. So as this third section begins, hear the word of the Lord from Isaiah 56, starting at verse 1. Thus says the Lord, maintain justice and do what is right, for soon my salvation will come and my deliverance be revealed. Happy is the mortal who does this, the one who holds it fast and keeps the Sabbath, not profaning it, and refrains from doing any evil. Do not let the foreigner join to the Lord say, the Lord will surely separate me from his people. And do not let the eunuch say, I am just a dry tree. For thus says the Lord, to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, all who keep the Sabbath and do not profane it and hold fast my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar." For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. That's Jesus there, remember. Thus says the Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel. I will gather others to them besides those already gathered. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. So from verse 1, we are invited to hear these words as from God. Verse 1 says, thus says the Lord. And the people are encouraged to listen to all that is said here and incorporate these commands into their lives. In the beginning of the third movement of this mighty book, God gives two important truths, truths that have been ordained since the very beginning. To maintain justice and do what is right. 
and to keep the Sabbath. And in these two, we see the two most important commandments phrased in concrete actions. Maintaining justice and doing what is right is how we love God and honor our relationships with one another. Jesus phrased it in a way that we can grab onto. Treat others as you want to be treated. But how hard this is for us to do. I'm unsure sometimes why it's so challenging. And I look at my own life. And it seems that my selfishness is what gets in the way. I want to be treated well. I want the best of everything. I want the upper hand. I want the world to look like I think it should. I want to be heard. I want my viewpoint affirmed. I want to be seen. I want to be liked a lot. In other words, I want to be important sometimes more important than others. And so I manipulate and control things for those desires to be realized. Here, God says, maintain justice. That means we have to rise above ourselves and our selfishness. We have to rise above what we want to treat others with fairness and respect. It means that we have to work hard to recognize and bring to fruition the dignity of others in every sphere we can, in every place that we can. God expects his people to do what is right in our lives. So much of doing what is right has to do with how we treat others. And God says, as you do this, remember, I'm coming soon with salvation and deliverance. The second idea here is to keep the Sabbath. This is about putting God first. God says, set aside a day a week to honor me. And on that day, worship. Don't work. How much have the lines of work and rest been blurred in our lives? We are not to work on the Sabbath. We are to rest we are to connect with the Savior of the world, the one who saved us. We are to breathe deeply of God's Spirit, allowing our bodies and our minds to have a break. We do this with the Lord at the center. He said, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Here, it says to not profane God's day. What does that mean? What does that mean to you? Do not profane God's day. We are to love God more than anything and keep ourselves from evil. And the Lord says here that those who act in these ways will have joy. Happy are the mortals, he says, who do these things. So with this preface, God moves into a direct conversation about outsiders. These people are not part of Israel per se, but they still long to honor Yahweh. We're created for knowing and pleasing the Lord. And right before this, in chapter 55, God reestablishes the covenant with his people. And in this covenant, God says that the promise is now going to be for those in nations you do not know. In other words, the promises of God, which began primarily with one nation, is meant to be for all the nations of the world. But remember that Abraham was not told, your descendants will be blessed for themselves, but that all people would be blessed through Abraham's descendants. 
These are good words for Pentecost because they remind us of the Lord's heart for all people written six centuries before Christ's birth. These are words the church is founded upon. Now, Pentecost is a celebration of God's promised spirit filling all those gathered in the name of Jesus. There is no delineation by race or gender or profession of faith or sound theology. When God comes, there is an open invitation to know him. And everyone, Peter says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Every single person. Peter says, for those who repent and believe in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repeat after me. The Holy Spirit is a gift. The Holy Spirit is a gift. The Holy Spirit is a gift. The Spirit is a gift to those who decide to follow Christ and is given over and over again in waves, refreshing waves to his people. There are two ideas here in Isaiah that we want to think about. First is that God's people had lapsed into the idea that they were accepted by him no matter what they did. The whole first part of Isaiah, as we have seen and we're going to keep seeing, is a reminder that there has to be an adherence to God's decrees and commands. There's no once saved, always saved here. The Israelites had taken Yahweh for granted and they began living as they wanted because they thought that they could. And that's dangerous for anyone in any place in any time. Church history is riddled with schisms and splits, which then led to movements and revivals and reformations because people had begun doing what they wanted in the name of the Lord Almighty. Ugly, profane, evil things. And when that happened, and when it happens, the Spirit of God is the one who brings correction. That is how the church has survived. Not because we're so great or because God loves us so much or because of human reason or ingenuity or creativity. The Holy Spirit is the reason why the church still stands. The second idea here is that God's people don't decide who is in and who is out, who is accepted and who is rejected. The language here is that all the outsiders, those who were at one time, are invited to understand how God wants them to be part of his family. God is saying the foreigner and the eunuch, those who were not necessarily included before, you are welcome. And sometimes people feel like they're not welcome. They're not welcome. And although people may not feel, feel as though God does not love them, or has invited them, Scripture promises over and over how he does. Our feelings can be so real and so big, but God's promises are greater. And this is the radical truth of Jesus, that all are welcome to the life that God offers. And what is that life? It's keeping the covenant of loving the Lord and loving others. And verse 4 says that for anyone who wants to keep the Sabbath, to choose the things that please God, who will live by trusting him, they will be given a place and they will be given God's name forever. It's interesting because on Easter, we studied passages which talked about God's holy mountain. 
Today on Pentecost, we come again to the high summit, to the mountain of God, where the people are invited together to come, to join in prayer, to bring offerings and a sacrifice. Together, worshipers from every nation and those who have been outcasts come to honor God as one. And the message of Isaiah, the message of Pentecost, the message of the church is that God is not just for a certain group of people. God is for everyone And that's hard for us because we like boundaries and we like knowing who is in and out. But every time we make a line, God goes outside of the walls in order to say, I love you and I want you to come too. All are welcome to come and live in obedience and a relationship to the Lord. So as we come to the communion table on this Pentecost Sunday, I want us to approach the table with humility. Because we have been invited. This is not a right we have. We've been invited to come with gratefulness and with joy to worship the Lord, to participate in the sufferings of Christ, to recognize that it is only by his blood and only by his spirit and only by the water of baptism that we are brought close to the Lord. God willingly gives us breath, makes a beautiful world for us to live in, gives us the opportunity to know him. Jesus comes in great vulnerability to show us who God is. He willingly gives his life so that we can be forgiven and know grace. We don't have to bring sacrifices anymore because he is the lamb who was slain. But when the spirit comes on the church, that's when we're given a whole new gift of God. If we're only here because of Jesus' salvation alone, then we are also only here because of the Spirit's sustaining work. The Spirit's life is in all those who proclaim Jesus as Lord. And I want you just to think about what this means. Think about what we receive from the Spirit. We receive God's indwelling presence. We receive spiritual gifts and peace and wisdom, and freedom, and comfort. God uses the Spirit to bring conviction, and power, and guidance, and revelation, and truth, and intercession. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. The Spirit brings transformation to our souls. We are only holy because of the Spirit in our lives. The Spirit bears fruit through us. The Spirit gives us victory and inspiration and grace. It is the equipping of the Holy Spirit. And it is only through the Spirit that we have unity. Think about that list all from Scripture all from scripture. God helps us to maintain justice and do what is right. We are not alone trying to figure out what that means. We have the spirit. God calls us to rest and to stillness. And when we struggle with wanting to take a Sabbath, when we struggle because we're so important that we can't stop, the spirit says, be still and know that I am God. We are invited to live in community with the Father and the Son and the Spirit. We are invited into a sacred life where we are embraced and loved. And everyone is invited to hold the covenant of the Most High God. 
and be participants together in the community of faith. So as you partake of the elements today, I invite you to prayerfully reflect on the Spirit's work in your life. Pentecost is a joyous celebration for believers everywhere. And in all nations, the Spirit speaks in the language every person can understand. So let us rejoice as we partake of Christ's body and blood. This is the invitation. Come to the table, all of you who seek the living God, who desire to be filled with his spirit, who long to be refreshed by his presence, who wish to eat and drink with the Savior and of his own body and blood, the sacrifice which cleanses our sins. Come as you are. Together. May the, the table, table of, of the Lord, Lord the, the altar at which we kneel, the places we sit, and the ground on which we stand, be thin spaces between heaven and earth, where Jesus meets us by his Holy Spirit given to us. The day of Pentecost has arrived. We are all gathered together in one place, ready to remember and celebrate the birthday of Christ's church the the Holy Spirit. God, bless us that we will truly be your church, on fire with your Holy Spirit, and work through us in all we do as a church. That we might truly be God's presence in the world. God, your love is unconditional. Your gifts are offered with measureless generosity. Your peace is all-encompassing. We are sorry for times when we have put conditions on our willingness to care, when we have kept what we have for ourselves and refused to share with others, when we have failed to seek peace and have caused discord. We are sorry for how we have sinned against you in thought, word, or deed. Forgive us. Restore us. Renew us by your spirit of life. For all who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received a spirit of adoption. Together, cry, Abba, Abba, Father, Father, it is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And, and if, if children, children then, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if we in fact suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of the one spirit. Holy are you, and blessed is your son, Jesus Christ. At his baptism in the Jordan, your spirit descended upon him and declared him 
your beloved son. With your spirit upon him, he turned away the temptations of sin. Your spirit anointed him to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives, and <clears throat> to proclaim release to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who were oppressed, and to announce that the time had come when you would save your people. Jesus healed the sick, fed the hungry, and ate with sinners. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. When the Lord Jesus ascended, he promised to be with us always, baptizing us with the Holy Spirit and with fire, as on the day of Pentecost. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, Jesus took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. God, we ask that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and the blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood and empowered by the gifts of the Spirit. We invite you to come down the center aisle and to kneel. Um, we have gluten-free crackers also. You don't have to be a member of this church or any church in order to come and partake at the Lord's table. Everyone is welcome. But the Lord wants is a contrite heart, an open spirit, even if we doubt, even if we don't know, for us to come and say, Lord, I want to know you. I want to know you more. So maybe this a time together as God's body, may the spirit fall in a new way on each one of us. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.